welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reid, and this week we're joined by the lovely Jordan Cunningham. Hello. <laughs> Jordan is currently playing the role of Saeed in Everybody's Talking About Jamie at the Apollo Theatre. Thank you so much for joining us on your day off. Thanks for having How me. are you? I'm very well. How are you? It's a nice, nice day outside today, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be discussing with Jordan uh, mental health whilst out of work and auditioning, but also the pressures of being in a job, as well as many other things. So um, to start off with, we're just going to play a word association game. Okay. So um, just say the first thing that comes into your head. Oh, okay. Audition. Panic. Cover run. Stressful. 16 bar cut. Inconvenient. Knee pads. Dance call. West End. The dream. Unemployment. Not fun. <laughs> Headshots. Oh my goodness, spots the night before. Open call. Long queues. Very true. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Jordan, how long did you know that you wanted to be an actor for? Oh my goodness me, probably since I was five or six. In fact, my mum knew I had to be doing something creative because I used to run around my house with a towel on my head and holding a mop, and the mop would be my other person. And I used to love like shows like, I used to watch films like Singing in the Rain and anything with Gene Kelly or Michael Jackson. Or who else? Who else was a big thing? It was Gene Kelly. My favourite film used to be Singing in the Rain and I used to pretend to tap dance around my living room and we had laminate wooden flooring and yeah, and I would ruin my mum's floors. And she just said to me, I even remember, I was in my front garden and there was an advertisement for a dance school and an acting school. And she said, I think you should go here, do you want to try? And I was just like, yes. And then that's how it started really. And then I've never stopped doing it since I was six, which is, oh my God, it's crazy. So it's like 20... 21 years oh my god yeah. that's so cute as well <laughs> little little jordan tap dancing oh so sweet so um you went to mainstream school mm-hmm. and high school um how what was your experience like when you were auditioning for uh, drama school while you were at school and kind of getting your academic studies in as well? Yeah, I mean, my academic studies were important to me. I mean, I did English A-level, English Lit and Lang A-level uh, and got A's in that. Like it was, But again, that was still creative. I, like, I liked, I mean, I don't write at all anymore, but I liked to write at the time. Um, and that was also a backup for me. I said, if I'm not going to go into maybe show business, then I'd like to go to somewhere like study writing or creative writing or anything like that um I didn't know too much about musical theatre schools at all I come from a really small village up in the northwest of England like it's a place called the Wirral people know it people don't know it Daniel Craig is from the Wirral um exactly oh okay cool um but I didn't know much about it so I didn't know about colleges I didn't know where to go I didn't know where the best school was to go Um, So my dance teacher at the time, her name was Kirsty Hughes, and she was, uh, she taught at my school like part-time, and then she was also teaching at a school called The Hammond, which is in Chester. Uh, And so she had an idea of different schools, and I did say to her that I wanted to be in London, um, just because, I don't know why, I mean, I just presumed London was the place to be, even without knowing that London was the place to be. Um, Obviously, New York was the dream, um, but... 
for an English student to go over to New York is extremely expensive. Uh, they don't offer scholarships over there, so that was near enough impossible because my parents were multimillionaires. Um, so yeah, I ended up auditioning for a bunch of schools. Not that I wanted to go to them, they were just given to me. Um, and it just so happened that one day I went to Bird and there was a full day of... I think the audition process for Bird has changed massively now since I went. Um, but it was a full day of ballet, then jazz, then an acting call, and then a singing call. It's a full day, and it just so happened on that day. And I'd auditioned for other schools, and I had offers, and I'd also been declined as well, um, that they offered me a place on their degree course on the day. And I just lo- I loved it as well, so that's sort of how it happened. But in regards to knowing what to do, I had no clue whatsoever. It just kind of just fell into my lap, so to speak. It wasn't because I knew I wanted to go there. It's just... I think you have to have a feel for a school. Um, you know, you might you might get into the best school, what's considered the best school, but it depends how you feel on the day. Did you enjoy the teachers? Did you enjoy the vibe of, you know, the environment? I think that's very important when choosing to where to go. Absolutely. So you went to Bird for three years. Um, this is something that girls get asked a lot, but did you find that you had maybe issues with um, body image while you were there or you felt a pressure to look a certain way so that you would be employed in certain jobs in the industry was that ever something that was focused on or you felt um, affected you while you were at Bird? I was aware of the demands of specific physicalities for women within college Um, I feel like it was demanded more of women than men in college for sure um because you had skinny guys you know and they weren't they weren't necessarily told to go and work out heavily at the gym to become a specific aesthetic for me um aesthetically i suffer with eczema um not so much anymore i'm a new vegan veganism has cleared my skin um but i suffered with it really badly from about three months old all the way through primary school high school drama school um from head to toe extremely dry flaky open cuts all those sorts of things so i remember being told in a jazz class that i best find a way and my teacher stopped the class and she said jordan your ex looks really sore today and i was like oh yeah i'm just having a bad day the sweat aggravates it and whatsoever and she said i think you best clear that up otherwise you probably won't be hired and that floored that, that floored me Um, because it was already very much a a huge insecurity for me anyway and I knew that the way you looked was a strong reason why someone would decide whether you get a job or not in this industry that's the sad reality of this industry that you know sometimes it's not based on talent it's based on how big somebody's pecs are how good their six pack is or how tall they are or what colour hair they have Um, so that definitely affected my my confidence in walking into a room because I thought they're not even going to notice how good I can sing or how well I can dance or how truthful I'm playing as a part they're just going to be looking at my skin that affected me in a lot of ways so I do think that I think it's much better than it was say 10 years ago having you know friends who have been in this industry longer than I have and they explained to me what it used to be like which was far more severe but I do yeah I do believe that people are affected quite negatively by physicality and that physical demands are something that play a big role in someone's mental health for sure for sure 
how about just generally over the three years was your mental health ever affected um while you were there I know for me personally uh second year was really tough but I loved it but third year was more second year was physically tough third year was mentally tough for me what about for you that was something that was pre-warned to us as first years I remember um somebody saying you'll love your first year second year you'll find really tough because that's kind of that is your last year of training Mm -hmm. effectively I think with college you only really get two years of training if it's a three-year course because third year you get to December you find an agent and then start auditioning from say February March I didn't really suffer mentally during college I felt like I had a protective little bubble The the college bubble was fine with me I wasn't really put down for my physical image um so that was something that was never really a problem for me my mental health got worse when I left college once you're out of that bubble once you're out of that security blanket once you don't have those peers to give you advice anymore and you're very much left to yourself that was when for me trying to handle being out of work trying to handle not being the best in my class, trying to handle not getting a lead role in my year anymore because there was plenty of other very, very talented men out there um, that were going to get the job above me for other reasons. That's when it got hard for me, yeah. for sure. That, um, that actually brings me really nicely onto my next question. Um, graduate life, um, did you feel the pressure to get a job straight away because did you have you had lead roles in your third year yeah so did you feel well I've had lead roles in my third year so I I need to go into this job or this job did you feel that pressure 100% so through all three years of college you know I did bye bye birdie thoroughly modern million 42nd street and I was comrade birdie in first year jimmy smith in second year and billy lawler in third year yeah so i i I very much had this idea that that was going to transcribe onto my graduate life onto my professional career and that didn't happen because at college things like my skin color things like my ethnicity weren't a part of their decision it was simply based on my talent and that is not the reality of our industry it's based on an aesthetic as well as your skill set I do find it is more aesthetic still than it is skill set a lot of the time which I think needs to change uh, especially here in London I think it's better in New York um, for people to be more open-minded to having you know for example you know the first cover Anna in Frozen on Broadway is someone of African-American descent. So, which, you know, here, I'm not sure that would happen yet. Um, It's definitely getting better. Um, But when I left, that was really, really tough because I was going into auditions, I was getting recalls, I was getting to finals, and then I wouldn't get the job. And so for the first 12 months of my graduate life, I didn't get one job. I had 11 West End finals, three tour finals, it was it was my my first agent was calling it the curse of the final for me because I would come back six seven sometimes eight times and then get it and my feedback would be you know Jordan did nothing wrong it was fine um, everything was right he doesn't blend in that was I was told three times it didn't blend in or that I just didn't look right and then when they'd release the cast it would either be an all white cast with you know one black person or an all black cast with um, one white person or two white people and it became really frustrating for me because I didn't see somebody of Asian descent 
or somebody of Hispanic descent. It was either just one block or the other. It was very black or white. And for me, I would kind of look in the mirror and be like, why do I have to look like this? That was a question that went through my head was, for God's sake, why do I have to look? Because I'm Portuguese, South African and British. So I'm quite a mix. Um, and everyone would say, oh, you'd be perfect in West Side Story. And I was like, well, thank you. And I did West Side Story. That was my first job. Um, but I said, that's not what I want. I don't want to carry on doing reruns of West Side Story for the rest of my life, um, as much as it's my favourite show. Um, so, yeah, that really affected me, because then I started to walk into auditions and with a, very much the attitude of, what's the point? You know, I can be the best person in the room, and it's not going to matter because of how I look. So that definitely affects what I would say to people is, and how I got through that, was that you have to go through it and feel it, don't try and ignore it, because I find by ignoring it, it just festers and gets worse. You look how you look, you are how you are, you are the size you are, you are the skin colour you are, you are the hair colour you are. That's what you have for life. Physicality you can change. If you want to lose weight, you can change. If you want to gain weight, you can change. But your skin colour, you can't change. And you have to love who you are, accept who you are. And my best advice would be to work on your skill set as much as you can so that you can be the best in the room so they literally cannot they can't, they can't ignore your talent and that's how that motivated it motivated me to get better so at the time it felt very much like a curse it felt very much like something very negative and detrimental to me and that was a 12 months of huge growth for me um but during those 12 months was when i worked my butt off i was going to the gym five times a week i was going to classes three or four times a week i had three jobs um, to pay my rent, to pay to eat, and to also afford, you know, classes aren't cheap in London. Um, but I, it made me want to better myself. So by the time it did get to those auditions for West Side Story at Kilworth House Theatre, I was so unbelievably ready. And it just so happened that because I was Hispanic, it was the perfect show for me, in which then I ended up getting that. And then from West Side Story for the past three years, I've not stopped working. So, so you've been lucky enough to be in work for the past um, three years. Um, what muggle jobs did you have <laughs> when you were auditioning and getting to all those finals? Oh, my muggle jobs. They are not fun. Um, what muggle jobs do I have? Okay, so I worked for a luxury retail agency. I won't, I won't say which one, but I'm sure everybody knows there. Three letters. Um, begins with a T and ends with a C. Um so yeah, there was that. So I went to Harrods and Selfridges, which was just the most draining, soul-destroying time of my life. Um, what else have I done? I worked behind receptions in gyms, various gyms. Lasted about a month because I, I'm not very good at being employed in a, in a, in a normal sector. Um, I don't do well being shouted up for not filling enough protein shakes in the fridge. It really just frustrates me. <laughs> um, and what else have I done? Flyering in the freezing cold. Um, for cl- oh, I did nightclub promotion work once, like trying to you know get just girls, not guys, girls, because guys have to pay twenty pounds to get into a Mayfair club. Um, so just getting my college friends to come, and I used to get paid per head, and I'd literally be going around like begging my friends to come on a night out. It's awful. Um, what else have I done? Yeah, flyering for gym promotions or getting people's phone numbers off the street so gyms could cold call them. Oh, that was awful. Um, I remember this was just before I got West Side Story. 
um, I had to move back home up north because I could no longer afford to pay my rent in London. That was the, that was the lowest point for me um, coming out of college. And I had to move back in with my parents in this small village and everything that I'd left behind and everything that I thought I'd grown... But not grown, I mean grown past is the wrong way to say it, but I didn't want to be there anymore. And then I'd suddenly gone to London, was sort of living the dream and doing what I wanted to do and then was literally forced financially to come back because I literally could not pay my rent. And because I, I remember working at LA Fitness in South Kensington, the membership was like 140 a month and they were paying me £6.95 an hour. Bearing in mind, it cost me six pounds to get there. So for my first hour's work, it was just my travel. Uh, and so I literally couldn't afford to pay my rent. So I had to move home. And I ended up working in a Christmas decoration factory in like this warehouse, wearing this big furry bomber jacket and jeans, um, just swiping through Christmas decorations. And that was in 2015. Um, yeah, from... September 2015 to January 2016, I was at home in a warehouse selling Christmas decorations in the Wirral. Yeah. That's mad. That is mad. And now you're on the West End. It's like chalk and cheese, isn't it? It really is. Uh, so just to finish off this little section, um, what top three tips do you have uh, for people who are auditioning and finding it difficult to motivate themselves because they're maybe not getting the job three tips okay this is hard first of all don't let it differ don't become a victim that's my number one that's my number one important tip it's so easy to take on that victim mentality of poor me poor me poor me and i get that feel it embrace it indulge in it cry do all of that don't ignore it you have to just accept that that's how you're feeling but I think what's important is how long the time frame in which you feel it it's totally okay to feel that for a day or a couple of days but when it starts turning into weeks and months you just end up becoming this very bitter very jealous very negative person and I very much believe in the law of attraction and I very much believe in manifestation what you give out you'll receive back so if you're giving out that negativity if you're giving out that 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 energy of lack i think it's just going to come back to you and i remember feeling that way and nothing was happening nothing was coming to me um so that's the first thing don't have that victim mentality get up feel it but then move on and then just work on being the best version of yourself go to singing classes when you can afford them go to dance classes when you can afford them go to the actor center and learn new things and just work on your skill number two I would say is diet. I know that sounds really funny and really silly, but when you clean eat, you have a clean mind. I know that sounds really hilarious and people are going to be like, what? But if you eat junk, if you're out drinking all the time, if you're binging on crisps and chocolate when you feel bad, it really, I do believe, affects your mentality. I know when I clean eat, um, it gives me a much more crystal clear mindset. I feel more intuitive. I feel more... um, on point I think in my thinking and it also helps me be more positive and I think positivity is what definitely gets you through and I know positivity is a really general answer and I hate when somebody says be positive because you're like what does that even mean Um, but it's very much about having that positive mindset to just go out there and keep going and that leads me on to my third point is just keep going just please keep going one of my biggest inspirations is Cynthia Erivo um, I've watched her career since she did the Sister Act UK tour and I watched it and fell in love with her and when you listen to her and how 
much she's gone through, how many setbacks she's gone through, and now she's one of. I mean, she's nearly an egot. She's nearly she's nearly there, and she's just about to film um, a feature film for Focus Films, and that's that's where she is now. And at one point she wasn't there, and for, at one point I was in a Christmas decoration factory, and now you know I'm in an Olivier nominated musical, uh, and I've just had more offers come through to me to progress my career even more in the West End, and so, and. I was in a Christmas decoration factory. I can't reiterate that enough. So, yeah, just keep going. So, is there anything outside of acting that you use to escape the industry? Hmm. Outside of acting. That sounds pathetic. It's like I've got nothing else in my life. Um, <laughs> no, there is. I really... sounds cringy, but I do enjoy going to the gym. That, for me, is therapy. It's where I turn off my phone put on aeroplane mode, put on a playlist and work out and I usually find I'm definitely more positive after working out at the gym. Um, I love nature. I love going for walks. I feel like being in nature is really important because I live in London which is the polar opposite of nature here. Um, And I love walking with uh, my boyfriend's dog and going in the park and like just leaving my phone like just leaving technology I think it's just so important because you become so obsessed with it and so obsessed with comparing yourself to other people on it Um, so yeah walking in nature I love going to the cinema Um, I do love seeing other shows but I never get the opportunity to because usually I've got the same show schedule unless they've got a Thursday matinee Um, and that's when I'll try and see things but I've got a week off in December so I'm I'm not going to go anywhere I'm going to go in see a bunch of shows which will be really nice um is there anything else i sound really small winded um i love traveling i want to travel more um whether that's after i do a big stint of work and then decide to maybe not work for a year maybe that might be it but i love traveling i find whenever i travel i'm just so happy um again i leave my phone in my pocket turn it off and just experience different things different cultures I think that's really important is don't become so obsessed with London life and your career because yes your career is important but actually what is important is your mental health is your emotional health and is your spiritual health um so and you have to do what makes you happy and whether it is being in nature or watching Netflix or going to the cinema or doing some sort of sport or another hobby like um, I love reading as well I love reading personal development books I love reading Stephen King he's my favorite author um yeah so lots of things but yeah I love I love Oprah Winfrey she's my goddess um she's gotten me through a lot Stephen Covey seven um seven habits of highly effective people um Rhonda Burns the secret um Jerry and Esther Hicks um the law of attraction Tony Robbins, genius. Um, so yeah, I love looking into personal development as well. I think I love coaching people in spirituality and I love meditation as well. I meditate a lot. Brilliant. There's so much that you that you do outside of acting. That's amazing. So we've spoken about mental health out of work, um, but what about when you're in work? Uh, I think people expect that if you're in the West End, you've got the job that everyone wants, that you should be super happy and positive all the time and that everything is amazing. But obviously, as with any job, there's stresses and things. So have you found that your mental health has been affected uh, being in the West End? Yes, I do. 
it's definitely you have I mean this is my West End debut uh, I feel very blessed and very lucky um, to be part of an original cast to have recorded an original cast album to have performed at the Olivier's and the What's On Stage Awards and the Attitude Awards and met these incredible I mean Day- I met Day Maggie Smith two weeks ago you know I met Michelle Visage. I mean, some people are like, I don't care. But if you're a Drag Race fan, then, you know, I've met a lot of RuPaul drag queens. And I've met these incredible people. I'm doing this amazing show, which has the most incredible message. And we have young boys, 10, 11 years old, with their mums, with their parents, or people who want to cross-dress at such a young age, who are struggling in school, coming to this show, coming to our stage door and telling, telling us how much it's changing their life and how it's giving them a positive outlook and how much it's helped them keep going if they feel suicidal or if they've felt depressed all of that is amazing but the demand and you have this expectation of the West End and you think it's gonna okay once I get the West End job I'm gonna be happy once I've got that West End job everything is just gonna be sorted I'm gonna wake up every morning living my dream and that's not the case it's a job it's a wonderful job but it's extremely hard work it's exhausting. The hours are long. The rehearsal, when it's a new show, I mean, I've, I'm yet to be in a show which has been running for a really long time, so I don't know how it works for the likes of shows like Wicked or Lion King or Phantom that have been here for years, but for a new show, we're in constant rehearsals. Things are always changing. Things are always developing. Um, and it's hard to give 100% for eight shows a week, and it's hard to do the same thing again and again and again that's what's wonderful about television and film is that things are constantly changing but within theater it's always the same i mean you can experiment a little bit you know changing the way you deliver a line changing your intention um but it kind of very much has to stay the same and you can find yourself complaining that it's hard work but it's extremely draining and i have found now that there's this level of expectation for me um as an actor to be better to um, to always be giving 100% and emotionally and physically to give 100% all the time is really exhausting, uh, especially on a Wednesday matinee, that dreaded Wednesday matinee. But people are paying 70, 80 pounds a ticket, so what right do I have to be giving, you 50, giving that person 50% compared to somebody who maybe saw it on press night or somebody who sees it on a Saturday evening? So that's definitely really difficult. It's tiring, tiring work, and there's a lot demanded of you, and yet, I'm super grateful and I'm living my dream and I definitely have more aspirations to go further and further. But it definitely, there is a lot of pressure involved to deliver, you know, the same level of performance every single day. Apart from, I'm very lucky I don't have to work Sundays. Um, But yeah, definitely, there's that pressure. Um, There's that level of competition and I find competition really toxic. I know people say competition is good, but I just believe in abundance and that, you know, there's a there's something for everyone and when it's competition in a good way then fine but i do find that competition is seen in a negative way especially in our industry it's like i'm going to make sure that i'm better than you and i just find that mentality can definitely have a really detrimental effect um on your headspace um or constantly think constantly being judged that's another one um reviews oh god i hate them um not because i've never had a i've never had a bad review thank goodness but it's very much like you know people are always there to judge you and sometimes you know there are audience members there who are not there to enjoy the show they're there to pick it apart and they're there to judge you and i think they forget as well that you're a human being 
um, that has feelings and emotions and having that awareness as well that people are doing that for eight shows a week is also quite difficult to um, to handle all the time. I think what people forget about reviews is it really is just one person's opinion and certainly with a show like Jamie, I mean social media wise, the following is unbelievable and as you said like the young the young kids that are maybe struggling with coming out um, it's really helping them So just one last question on the show, what does a one show day typically look like for you if you're not in rehearsals? A one show day for me I love having the days to myself. I would say, I know people are expecting me to say, I lie until 1pm, but I don't. Um, Because it's important for me to feel like I have a life outside of work. I find, I know a lot of performers do this, but they like stay in bed till like 2 or 3, and then they get out of bed, they eat their avos on toast, and they come to work. I can't do that, because then otherwise I feel like I'm swallowed up um, by my work. I'm very lucky that my work is my passion, so it doesn't feel like your standard meaning of what work is to a lot of people um but it's important for me to do other things and it's hard because i have lots of muggle friends that i don't get to see um because during the day when i'm off they're working and then when i'm working they're off and it's really hard to kind of find that equal time to spend time with each other so that's difficult but what do I do on a normal day I get up I listen to my super soul Sunday podcast every morning without a doubt um I've got a juicer so I make a juice and then I have breakfast and then sometimes I watch sometimes I'll just sit and watch Netflix there's so much good stuff on Netflix um it's incredible um or I'll read a book um or I'll go to the gym or I'll see stagey friends um, a lot of the time, though, I'm usually doing something else. So I'm usually working towards something or I'll be working on because there's a certain level of what I want out of my career. Um, so things like voice reels, show reels, headshots. Um, is my rep folder up to date? Um, am I doing enough? I do, can I go to classes during the day? That's very much me. I'm very work focused at the moment. Um, probably will not always be like that. Um, but at this point in my career and my time during the day, it's usually something towards work that I don't get the time to do. So at the moment, I'm looking at doing a voice reel because I want to look into going into voiceover work. Um, so it's things like that. Always planning for the future at the moment. And especially because of the situation I'm in, I'm in such a good position at the moment in regards to my career that I feel like if I'm just wasting my days moping about in my Uggs, that it's just... I'm not going to get things done and then I'll get to a point where maybe I'm working in a gym reception again because it can happen um, and I won't necessarily have the time or the financial backing to explore the avenues that I want to at that point. So while I can, that's what I do during my day. Amazing. That's so good. Um, you mentioned your podcast. Uh, you have also mentioned Oprah Winfrey. So the Oprah Winfrey podcast. Um I love listening to podcasts and I think they have a really good effect on my mental health. I just love listening to people talk. I love listening to um, what they're going through and seeing where I can relate. And we're hoping that people will find that with this podcast. So how does the Oprah Winfrey podcast help your mental health? Oh, Oprah Winfrey. Um, It's called Super Soul Sunday. Um, I highly recommend you listen to it. Um, It's backlogged for two years. So I literally start... I can't... I've always enjoyed Oprah anyway. I mean, we don't really get the Oprah Winfrey show here. Um, But I remember... I never used to listen to podcasts, ever. And then... I can't can't even tell you why I did. In fact, no, I can tell you why I did. I was at a really low point. Um, 
I went through some very personal stuff um, during the beginning of Jamie of this year, huge life changes. You know, I left my partner of eight years. Um, I'm So within the space of three months, I'd left a partner of eight years. I'd moved house twice because I couldn't find somewhere secure to live. Everything had just really turned on its head for me. And work was kind of, I was so just driven into my work because that's all I could focus on without ignoring my personal stuff at the time and so I kind of it's kind of it's unfortunate that we have to get to this point but I got to a really desperate point emotionally and found this podcast it just came up on suggested I can't tell you why thank you universe Um, but it just came up and I just decided okay I'm just gonna listen from the first one and I've listened to every single one every single day Um, and she talks a lot about spirituality and she interviews the most incredible people from artists within our industry to religious peer to religious people to scientists to everything and it's all to do with spirituality and um us as a human race and i just find that listening to these podcasts every day has literally fed it's fed my mind with with the good stuff you know um and sometimes I think our emotions can become so overwhelming and so powerful and we can get ourselves into such a real um, state of disdain and, and anger and upset that those podcasts are those little reminders and a lot of the things are repeated a lot of these things are repeated and people are like oh but I've heard this once already you never learn something by just listening to it once a lot of the time you have to hear it again and again and again before it then soaks into your mind and your body um so I think listening to podcasts like this, I think listening to podcasts like Oprah and, and Tony Robbins and his wife Mel Robbins, and I mean the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, but doing that just keeps your mental health, keeps your mental stability, keeps your mental strength at a level. It may not always be strong, and I think too many of us beat ourselves up for being weak. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you cannot know weakness without strength. You know, you cannot know fear without bravery. Um, it's all about duality I think and I think when we understand and realize that there's always you cannot know love without being unloved you cannot know success without knowing failure um once we know that we embrace both of those things so when we are failing in life or when we are feeling upset you know they're happening to make us realize well first of all to make us realize to be grateful for what we do have uh, and also to make us realize that it's not always going to be that way I think that's another thing as well that we tend to do is that we always think it's going to be that way we always think it's never going to change and it is the one common thing there's three common things that humans share it's birth death and change that's every single human being will experience and you just have to know that one state that you're in right now it will change it may take days weeks months it may even take years but having that hope that things will change and things will get better will help you keep going and those sorts of podcasts I think remind you of that so let's talk about the yes no campaign um obviously companies like the National Theatre and uh, I think Cameron McIntosh's office have um committed to giving actors a yes or a no answer to um, auditions because I know for myself and a lot of my friends people are often kept waiting because they just haven't had the time to say what do you think of this and why do you think it's important to actors mental health I think it's a very positive move forward for our industry um, having experienced that just never knowing 
until they announce the cast on what's on stage. And you're like, oh, didn't get that job then. Thanks for that. Um, I always know that if you get to a final callback, they usually tell you um, yes or no, or maybe maybe like a round before that. But obviously in regards to like first calls or second calls, you don't usually get that information. I think it's. I do think it's a very positive move forward for me. Oh my goodness, that that not knowing, that not knowing is just leaves you in this state of well, what was wrong with me or what's going on or what have I done wrong and you never know. And it's always important. I think feedback is always important because then it allows you to go away and maybe work on what wasn't your strength or what they think you can be better at um i mean i do understand why having knowing people within the casting industry now i mean when i first graduated i was like i don't get it but now i've been out of college for five years now so i have friends within different casting offices and you now understand why they're if they're auditioning thousands of people they can't give you they physically cannot give you personal feedback otherwise they'd be there for they may as well hire a whole team another whole team to do that but i just think it allows you to move on because I feel like if you won't move on until the cast is announced. Um, and I think especially if you have an emotional attachment to that job or it's, it's, a, it's a project that you're desperate to work on and you'd love to work on um, and you don't know, that's awful. Um, it's like, you know, you ask somebody out on a date or you ask somebody to be your boyfriend or your girlfriend and then they just never answer you and you're like, but we've been on like three dates. What's, what's going on? They just ignore you and you kind of left with that never knowing and so yeah i think it's great i think it's definitely a positive move forward. i find our industry is moving forward in a lot of ways in in terms of bane casting in terms of colorblind casting should i say um in terms of musicals and television and film and plays discussing more political uh things that wouldn't have been discussed a few years ago you know I, a show about a boy who wants to be in a dress can you imagine that 10 years ago never would have happened um so I'm going off on a tangent here but um yeah I think it's amazing because I know now for example I've been in an audition for a new musical at the moment um and the first thing they said was if you don't get told uh a yes then we will tell you no and I was like oh that's great it allows people to move on and I know people that you know I'm in finals for this show now um but I know people that know. Meanwhile, before, constantly on Facebook Messenger, have you heard back yet? Um, no, this person, but this person's got this date and this person's got this date. Oh, I don't know. Like, oh my goodness. Actually, a really funny thing, I've got to tell you this story, which is why I think it's good, is auditions for West Side Story at Kilworth House Theatre. I was so desperate for this job. I was so desperate for this job because I remember I was going to quit. If, um, if I wasn't going to get West Side Story which I knew I looked right for. It was based on my skill set and I was just going to give up because I'd had 13 months of not getting anything and I was just emotionally done. I was so done. I was tired of being rejected. And so got called back, had three callbacks and then we were told that the final was going to be on Tuesday, the blah de blah of whatever. And I didn't get a call. And so then no, nothing was said other people were told yes to come back on the Tuesday and I wasn't and I knew that this Tuesday final had happened and I hadn't been told anything so because I hadn't been told anything I hadn't even been told whether a no or a yes I haven't got it so I was ready that day to ring up my agent and say take me off your books I'm done 
I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of not looking right. And especially now with the show that I do look right for and I haven't got it. I am done. So I, I even planned it. It was hilarious. I planned at five o'clock that day at the end of the working day. I was going to ring the office and just say, take me off. I don't want to do it anymore. At three o'clock, my agent called me to say that I hadn't needed to come to the final because they'd already offered me the job and they'd already knew they'd wanted me. But because there was no communication of even telling me that I was still in the mix, you just go off in your own thought process and it sends you crazy. Not being told yes or no sends you crazy. I think us as performers as well, we're so emotionally attached to our job, which we shouldn't be. I feel like that needs to be worked on um, because it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, but it feels like that because you're passionate about it and I get that. So yeah, it's definitely positive move forward. I've definitely rambled on that. No, it's all, everything you're saying is absolutely true. Why did you want to come on Industry Minds? When I saw it, I thought this was exactly what our industry needs. The amount of people that, when you get close to certain cast members, because I always think that you, you look at performers on stage, especially in the West End, or whether they work in television and film, you think they've got their, pardon my language, their shit together, um, that they have it all, that what else could they need? Why wouldn't they be happy? The amount of, I suffer with anxiety myself, um, and I now have certain tactics and ways that I deal with it. It's always there, but I have ways of managing to do the task in hand without letting it overwhelm me and affect my ability to do what I need to do. Um, but I hear recently, you know, there's been a couple of suicides within our industry, not with people that I know personally, but people I know who know them. And I just, and I know a lot of performers and friends who have depression who suffer with extreme anxiety, who suffer with um, weight issues and um, mental health issues, because our industry is hard, it's judgmental, it, we deal with rejection 90% of our careers. We, we don't get a job because of something like how we look. We're being told we're not good enough. Now, I, I say to a, a person who's not within our industry, imagine being told you're not going to get, you know, that job as, you know, an assistant manager of a shop because you're Hispanic or you're too tall or you're too short or your voice isn't good enough or you can't, you're not talking the right way or you don't look the right way. That would, that would cause some serious issues, yet it seems to be acceptable within our industry to give that feedback to other people and there's only so many times you can be rejected and so many times you can hear that until it does something in your head or it makes you feel a certain way so for me it's important to talk about it I feel you know silence is a killer and I feel the more we talk about it the more we're open about it like if somebody because I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of people for some reason think I'm quite wise. I, don't, I have no idea why because I've definitely got my own demons and I definitely have hysterical paddies now and then. Um, I'm still learning, always learning. Um, but a lot of people talk to me because I am very connected to uh, the spiritual part of my life. Um, meditation and, and kind of mindset skills in order to get ahead. Um, 
And I think the more we talk about it, the more we're open about it, the more that we can help each other. I think it's very much about connecting and sharing different experiences because everyone has their own experience of anxiety and, and depression and and um, other mental issues going on. And the more we share it, the more that people feel like they're not alone. I feel that a lot of us think we're the only ones thinking this and we're not. Um, I find that performers have the most demons because you have to realise that our job is to not be ourselves it's to be somebody else so it's very easy for people to have this ideology that you are this person on stage you're this confident outgoing person who can perform in front of 3,000 people every single night Uh, well they must have their shit together they must be fine they're super confident they can do that I could never do that no you're, you're hiding behind a character um it's that classic case of Robin Williams the most hilarious man in Hollywood was extremely depressed and sadly left us you know by his own doing and that to me really highlighted how people don't talk and how it's so important to talk because I know that if I didn't have my network of people that I could talk to I don't know where I would be personally especially going through you know heavy heavy anxiety when I was not working and even heavy anxiety now of the pressure that I'm put under to deliver a, to deliver a performance and you know the ex- expectation now people have of me and my career in the future that's also extremely pressurizing and scary for me at times um but I think the more we talk the more we're open about it the more people can realize that it's not something you should be ashamed of or something that you should be embarrassed of we all go through it whether it's minorly or whether it's majorly and I think the more we support each other the more it can be be a happier community of people you know and also stop being mean to each other like this industry is hard enough as it is you know independently don't start trashing each other down um so yeah I think the more we support each other the happier the community will be and that's why I wanted to come on here because I do suffer with anxiety but I am successful in my own right and I'm doing okay and I have been on the opposite side of the spectrum of working, I'm going to say it again, the Christmas decoration factory, um, to now being an original cast on a West End show. So, Great. And um, finally, do you think that you could walk into a room today, um, be it colleagues, be it your, um, your family, your friends, and just say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Hmm. I wanted to say yes, which is why I hesitated. I could with my specific, with my chosen social network. Could I do that within a professional network? No. Uh, and that's me being really honest um, because I find that mental health is still something that is looked down upon. I find that it is something that is seen as a weakness or unprofessionalism. I have been told to, well, you know, back in my day or 20 years ago, you just got on with it. You know, everyone's just moaning about their problems these days. Everyone's so vocal on Instagram and Facebook. Everyone's just, you know, Instagram storying how depressed they are. And and I don't want to know your business. And I usually get that from the older generation. I find as a younger generation, we're a lot more open and a lot more... Um, yeah, we're a lot more open-minded to hearing each other out and helping each other. But I do find that I still couldn't. There's definitely still room for change, I think. Um, you know, especially get on with it. I hate 
that phrase, just get on with it. That's why people end up in really bad situations because they're not addressed and they're not helped. And you know, we're human beings at the end of the day and I sometimes feel as performers, especially on stage, we're viewed as products or machines. And if there's a problem with that machine, we need to replace it <laughs> or um, you need to sort it out. So I still think, no, I couldn't walk, walk into a professional environment and say I'm having a bad day. I still very much feel that I would have to go in and pretend I'm okay, uh, put on that fake smile and just get on with my job. I still have that mentality. But what is important is that you can't pick your colleagues, you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. And I think... I hope it changes and I believe podcasts like this and I believe everything that's going on on social media um, will help change that mentality within our industry so that you can walk in to your company manager's office or you can walk into a rehearsal room that day and say to your director or your colleagues, I'm having a bad day today, I'm going to do the job as best as I can but just know that I'm aware, just know that you know I'm not there so I may not be fully with it or I may not be fully present but I'll do the best job I can. And I understand that producers and directors have time pressures and limits that they have to get on with and that's of course understandable but I see people suffer in silence way too much and it's not good and I just think as long as you have that social network those five people you can count on your hand who before you walk into a rehearsal you can have a phone call with them or you can meet them for coffee you can let it all out they can give you that advice and then you can walk in and do your job, but yeah, I think there's still room for change in regards to the professional aspect of mental health within our industry. Amazing, thank you so much. So, we're just gonna finish with another little game. Okay. Uh, gonna finish the sentences, just with just what you think. Okay. So, drama school taught me that. Drama school taught me professionalism, for sure. One thing I'm always noted for, is I get in, I get the job done. I'm not rude, I'm not bougie, I'm not a diva, I'm not, I, I get in, I'm polite, please, thank you. Um, I had quite a military style training. Um, um, I'm going to shout out to Andrew Wilson, who was my ballet teacher. He's, um was quite scary at the time, but his strictness, um, I apply into my career today, which is, you know, I get the job done and I'm not silly. So, yeah, it taught me professionalism. When I graduated, I thought that I was going to be a leading role in a musical, which then lead to a television Netflix original series, which then lead into a Hollywood break, and I'd earn millions of pounds, and I would never work a muggle job. And I had this really dreamlike idea. I mean, all for it, that does happen, one in a million chance. Um, but I definitely had that bubble idea, and it definitely was not that. After an eight-show week, I feel... Exhausted. Uh, my favourite Netflix binge watch is? Oh, there's so many. Um, at the moment, I'm binging on Sense8. I know that is quite old now, but I've only just started getting into it. But I binge watched Grace and Frankie, actually. I loved that. Mm -hmm. um, and The Crown. <gasps> mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Can't wait for season three. Um, oh, she's the dream, isn't she? Um, this one... It's quite a big question. Okay. In the future, I want to... In the future, I would like... I want to be able for my career to be versatile so that I can go from being in a musical to a straight play to something on television to a film. I mean, 
that's the dream for me I love it all I think I would like I would definitely love to explore more of the acting singing side I love telling a story through song and I love figuring out a character and I mean I love dancing but I'm 28 next year and that's not even old but I can feel my hips going on me um, I'm not as flexible as I used to be when I was 19 jumping into the splits and I have to warm up nowadays um, and um, yeah I'd definitely like to do that I'm not sure what else that's in regards to this industry yeah I mean I want to be working I want to be Ian McKellen I want to be working until I'm like 85 like I don't want to be like going on to new at the moment I can't see it's not in my foreseeable future to do something else at the moment I feel like I'm very much doing my calling what I was meant to do and who knows where it will take me um I do love personal development I do love coaching and I do love um talking about uh, mindset and so maybe something to do with that maybe um I've I, I as I said to you I love to write so maybe I, I wouldn't mind writing something one day maybe I don't know but at the moment I'm kind of in the sweet spot of I feel like I'm just beginning in regards to my career and the opportunity you know, I've I've been through the rubbish and I've been through the the slog of um not getting anything and I feel like it's just sort of beginning for me I mean I'm sure there'll be many many challenges on the way as there always has to be in order to strengthen you and and wisen you as a human being but yeah that's where I'd like to be for sure amazing um thank you so much for joining us Jordan I cannot wait to listen back to that to to like to edit it like you said some amazing stuff um if you would like to be featured on the podcast then just give us an email or you can email us with your thoughts if you have anything you want to say. We are industrymindsuk at gmail.com. You can keep up to date on everything coming up on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram are both at industrymindsuk. We are on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and give us a cheeky five stars review if you feel like it so that more people can find us. Thank you for listening and we will be back next week with another episode. Bye.